We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Another week, man, it was, it was busy for most of us, except you took a couple days off, Dre. Finally, yeah. for the first time in a long time. I needed it, man. I took a vacation. I took my daughter to Disneyland. Uh, not Disneyland. What the hell am I talking about? I took her to uh, Legoland and uh, a bunch of other shit in San Diego. Busy few days. Her and my niece... Needed those days off. I stayed off of social media, so most of y'all didn't see me. Um, and I'm just catching up on anything combat sports. It didn't seem like I missed a whole lot. Like It didn't seem like it was that busy while I was gone. So, Not a ton. Me. It seems like nothing that sticks with us for a week necessarily. You know, like nothing jumps off of the page. But we'll recap what happened last week at MMA, boxing, and pro wrestling, even though there wasn't a ton of pro wrestling. We're kind of previewing what's happening this week a little later on in the show. Did you think Legoland was dope? Because when you told me you were going, I was like, yo, I loved Legoland. Yeah, Legoland was dope. I mean, the weather was good. Um, I don't do roller coasters. As I got older, I started to realize, like, well, I don't want to feel like I'm dying. So (laughs) I'll pass on that. Um, But, yeah, like, all the stuff that they had, my niece was, she was excited. She rode, like, everything that they had down there. My daughter, she didn't really give a shit. She just wanted to play with Legos all day, which almost feels like a waste of money because Legoland is not cheap. But, uh... (laughs) It is what it is, man. It was it's it's uh that was pretty dope. Like San Diego was dope. Went to the zoo. My daughter saw some uh she wanted like my daughter's weird. So she wanted to go to the zoo. And usually when you tell a two week two year old about the zoo, they talk about like bears and lions. I said, uh that's my daughter what she wanted to see. She said she wanted to see a deer. What the fuck is what do we, what do you want to see a deer? You see deer at, everywhere. 
Yeah, she that's what she wanted. She was like, I want to see a deer. And then she wanted to see polar bears. Those were the two things she wanted to see, deer and polar bears. Random as hell. But then she went to sleep before she saw the polar bears. So that's kind of a bust. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Now, zoos are always good in theory. Yeah. Like, I love going to the zoo. It's fun. Like, right before you get there, and then you get there and realize that you got to walk, like, 10 miles that day to yeah. see everything. And then I'm just like, damn, I always end up tired. The food is, like, $30 a plate. Yeah, see, I did, we see we brought our own food. The cool thing about the San Diego Zoo is you can bring your own food. Yeah, so, I think the Bronx Zoo is like that, too. I always break out and forget. Yeah, so it's, other than that, I mean, it was a... Uh, it wasn't too eventful for me in combat sports, but eventful to just have a vacation. Now, it's always good to find little pockets of time. And uh, this is nothing. Usually before your little summer getaway vacations were like you're on a cruise or just randomly traveling crazy places. This is actually like a smaller vacation for you. Yeah. That, I mean, like I said, it was for my daughter. Um it, yeah, it was nothing nothing major. Between work and everything else, it's just like it just had to get away for a few days. My, my wife uh, is out of law school, so it's just a nice little getaway for about four days. Went yeah. to my pops. That was cool. Oh, what's up with pops? He got a nice little youngin' or something? Nah, he's he's playing Red Dead uh, Redemption. That's all he does, which is weird. He's 60. <laughs> 60 years old when i got there he was like uh telling me about his posse and his crew and it's is he's got his playstation uh id connected to his phone so his phone keeps going off and it's his friends that are in his posse and they're telling him about like a robbery they're gonna do and i'm like looking at him like yo are you serious <laughs> <laughs> you were doing the same thing though when it first came out robbing trades i don't play like i don't really play online like that and if i do i don't really talk to anybody so it's like my my pops like really has friends online. He's like, I've never met him before, but you know, we text each other and I'm like, yo, this is weird. Um, it's, I don't do all that, but my pops, that's what he does. Like he really enjoys video games. He used to hate them, but you know, he learned. <laughs> yeah. Things changed. Look at that. Uh, nah, man, you, you took the fam out to a vacation. My kids came into town. So I am in a super dad mode now for the rest of the summer, which is always fun, always cool. My kids aren't, like, overly unruly, so they make things easier on me a little bit. Uh, I had a proud moment today, though, Dre. Proud moment. And you being a, a semi-light skin would appreciate this. So today I went and got my son his first, his own can of Murray's hair grease. <laughs> I got him the do-rag. Not not the two-tone. He ain't ready for the half-white, half-black. But I got him the black do-rag, taught him how to tie it, and I got him the wave brush. So we went, got the nice fresh cut, nice hairline. Because uh, for the wedding, for the past, like, what, six months, eight months, he grew out his man bun. And then he got tired of getting it braided. Like, he didn't anticipate the the upkeep with having braids. So he cut it off, but it was uh, it was crudely done, to say the least. It was done real quick in a rush. I was like, nah, yo, like this is this is the time I feel ten. He's what ten and a half. This is where I really think he needs to start getting his swag going. Mm. So I had to make sure his haircut was fresh. I had to talk with him, like yo, it's important to always be fly, whatever that may be. 
I was like, this, this is how you got to present yourself in public. You can't be bummy. Your hairline can't be busted. You got to brush your hair every day when you wake up. If you just chill in the crib, show them how to brush his hair. You know, not holding the brush by the base. That's where I realized, I was like, nah, this is this has to end. He grabbed the brush. He was like, okay, cool. Like, dad, I always want a brush. I was like, cool, yeah, here's your brush. And he grabbed it by the base. Mm-mm. And I was like, nah, nah, son, come here, come here. So I had to show him how to grip it at the top of the brush, brush dumb hard in which directions and all that. Um, yeah, yeah, so now he's just at the crib. I'm sure I'm at work, but he's at the crib, just do-rag on, playing his games. Told me, you know, you, you're about to go out, take it off, brush it, take your brush with you. So now he's excited to have his own brush and walk around. So I feel like this was a, a proud Parrington moment. But I, give, I bestowed this upon my son. I mean, it sounds like one, man. I mean, you know, every kid when they start getting their haircut. I mean, like my nephew's thirteen, and like he doesn't really give a shit. Like he's in that he's in that weird stage where it's like hygiene is optional for him. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no, no, no. You gotta, you know, wash your ass, get your haircut. You just can't wear whatever. Like he wants to go places wearing literally wearing whatever. He doesn't care. <laughs> but I fix that. So you know, he's got a flat top. So I, you know, I take him to the barbershop to get his stuff done right. But um. Ten and a half. It's going to be interesting with your son, man. Like, is he going to is he going to be keeping that up? Is uh is your your ex going to make sure he goes to the barbershop and get keeps it clean? See, this is what I this is what I had to have a talk with her about. I sent her a quick text, and she she kind of I'm assuming she got where I was coming from. But this is the first of a series of texts I'm gonna be sending her this summer. Like, yo, I'm creating habits with my son. It is your job to upkeep these habits. So, like, she has a man or whatever, and they're together and all this stuff. So he's kind of, like, stepdad for all purposes. They're not married, but whatever. They got kids. So, like, he's in the stepdad role. I'm like, yo. And her dude, spinning waves, right? All this oh, stuff. Yeah. He, he he cuts hair. Not, like, prof- you know, but he's he was, like, the dude in high school. Always cut hair, blah, blah, blah. So um, when Cass had his uh, man bun, he always had the fresh fade on the sides and all this. But some reason, when he's not going for, like, a particular look, they just let him do whatever and wolf out. Mm-mm. So I'm like, nah, you know, you know, have your have your dude real quick. Once a week, touch up the line or something. And then, you know, every two, make sure it's a nice low Caesar. It could grow out to a dark Caesar, but keep it low. Make sure, you know, got the pattern going on the cut so the waves are coming in. I was like, just make sure he does exactly what he does to his hair to cast his hair. And we good money. Because the dude obviously knows how to keep his waves up. So, right. like, so I had to have this conversation. She laughed. I was like, All right, you can laugh, but this is the summer where my son gets fly. So we've been doing that. I've taken him to the park every other day to play ball. Because he really never played basketball or anything. Uh, he tried football, and he wasn't great two years ago. So it soured him to football. But I was like, yo, you're going to grow into it. You'll be fine. Like, you're fast, you're skinny, we're naturally athletic. Um. So we were playing ball the other day. He got the lefty jump shot. He saw it going in. So he's working on the handles. So he's now just excited to do normal kid stuff like I was doing in New York. I was like, I can't let him be a country bumpkin who sits inside all day and just plays video games. Like, you got to be fly and dope and then play video games. Like, video games have to be something to add to your dopeness. You just can't be, like, video game nerd with no hairline. (laughs) Yeah, like, nothing against that, but I'm not trying to raise a bunch of childish Gambinos. Like, you got to have the intellect of one, but you still got to look fly. And he kind of gets it. He understands that, like, 
quote, and people hate this term, and it's probably not the greatest, but he knows he has like a, I don't want to say good hair, but he has different types of hair where he can experiment and do wild stuff. And he kind of understands, like, yeah, I might be more Puerto Rican than, like, maybe my siblings. Like, I can do different hairstyles and rock out. And yesterday when he was getting his hair cut, he was like, Dad, you know my hair in the front is blonde? Like, by my hairline? I was like, yes, Cass. I was like, you're just growing more Puerto Rican by the year. So he he's getting, like, this understanding. So I was like, yo, all right, cool. The other thing I showed him today is how to order your haircut. I made a stand, Dre. And to me, when I was younger, I remember this is something that was very proud, like a proud moment in my life. When my barber, and uh, his name was Sean. When my barber, Sean, in New York, leaned over, and my uncle, was always, my uncle always took me to a barbershop. But he ain't asked my uncle what I wanted. He leaned over to me. and was like, yo, what you getting? And I was like, yeah, I finally got to order my haircut. I knew exactly the names of everything. So I had to tell my son, like, yo, if you go to the barbershop next time, we're, we ain't speaking. I'm not saying anything. You're going to turn to him, tell him you want a light Caesar, round in the back, no taper. So I made him repeat it back to me. He got it. He got his hair order. So that's a that's another thing. Today was a, an eventful day, Dre. Sounds like it. Yeah. Do you remember going to the barbershop growing up? Because I feel like I had fond memories of it, but I caught mixtapes. I did a bunch of other stuff. I feel like I was in there for five hours every time I went. <sighs> you don't want really, to. Do you really want to hear this? I do, because I feel. You know why? Because I'm. Like when you said your nephew was like, yo, you just go outside, whatever, you don't really care. I wasn't like overly into my hair. Like I never wanted waves. Um, I rocked a baldy forever when I was younger. And then I just got a basic light season. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm whatever. I'm running around. Um, I wasn't like, yo, I need to brush my hair all day, all this stuff. I, that wasn't me. But my son has some light skin dish tendencies, which I feel, and I've seen pictures of you. That you were always pretty boy Dre. So I need to pull out these stories so I can know how to maneuver someone who is also light-skinned. All right. So you really want to hear this. Um, so keep in mind, I was raised by an old white woman. Okay? <laughs> That's true. So not only that, you know, like my pops. So I'll give you two stories. One, my pops was a... Uh, if anybody's ever seen a picture of my pops, and I don't really post too many pictures of them, but he doesn't have like black people here. And this is on purpose. He has like uh, ambiguous hair, and he <laughs> he used to go to the, like the salon to get his hair done. Um, like he didn't go to the barbershop, so he has like this wavy. I don't know. I don't even know. It's like some shit you would see in a black exploitation film, like, like the Missy Elliott, like deep finger no, no, waves. No, no, not like that. Not like that. It's like uh, I can't even explain it. Like because I don't see people with hair like this. This is my problem. <laughs> And it's not, it's not like weird or anything. It's just like, you know, it's something that he does. It's like some shit that The Rock used to have, but it wasn't laid. So it was like, it's, it was some other shit. Anyway, so was that in his, in my, my pop's uh, girlfriend at the time, she was all, she was white. So the first time my dad tried to take me to get to do something with my hair, I think it was in, I was in fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. So he decided that he should take me to the salon with him. And have white people do my hair. And uh, so I ended up with like some weird like, like it wasn't really like because I always because my grandmother didn't really know what to do with my hair. So I always had that generic afro. Yeah. Like it was with no line. It was just that's what it was. <laughs> so he tried to take me. There was no edge up. So I had didn't have the I had like the generic afro but was cut down a little bit smaller. And it was like kind of permed out. 
so it was weird. So obviously, you know, I went, well, at the time I went to like a school with a bunch of white kids. They didn't really give a shit. We were in like fifth or sixth grade. However, we get past that. My pops was like, I'm not taking the beauty salon, like the salon no more. You don't really care. I was like, I don't. I want my hair like kid and play. Like that's the era I grew up in. So I was like, I want kid and play. I want a flat top. I want a whatever. So I'm in sixth grade. Now, my sixth grade transition went from like a, a, a white kid school to like the hood school. So I went to a school called, um, started CBT Gilbert, and then I went to a school called Ruby Thomas. Ruby Thomas is in the hood. It was my first, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's my first, it was my first real experience with West Coast gang culture because I remember I came from New York. So, you know, it was like Mexican gangs, you know, kids and bloods and crisp, whatever. So I wanted to get my hair cut, and my pops, he works the night shift because he worked at the casinos. So he sent his girlfriend to take me to Supercuts. So my first major haircut was at Supercuts, right? And um, This went all bad so many times. Dog, this was so bad. So I go to get my haircut, and I, you know, I'm telling him, because there's no phones and all like that. I was like, I want a flat top. I want a flat top. The white, I can't remember if it was white dude, white ladies. They didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. So I like, it was like, a bo- I want a box, right? I want a box cut. So this motherfucker busts out the scissors. I'm like, what are you doing with that? Like, what are you, like, scissors? Like, what are you doing? So I end up getting this real, like, when I say patchwork, yo, I had patches in my head. Like, it was terrible. And I had to go to school with patches Ooh. in my head from, like, my line was crooked. Yo, I was busted. Like, completely busted. My head... Let me think. I had um, British Knights on, which in the, you couldn't really wear in the West Coast because they were blood killers. Yeah. But I had BK1s on. I had Diamond Cells. Straight up, Derek Holmes. <laughs> I had some Derek Holmes on with some shorts, a Charlotte Hornet shirt, and this busted-ass cut. And I went to school, and everybody laughed at me, and I got like four fights that day. Like, I just got mad fights. And then I got jumped by the Mexicans, and I fought <laughs> with them. <laughs> All because of my hair. So, so my first experience. So from that point on, after sixth grade, I would take the bus and get my own cuts. I would find my own barbers. Like I would, I couldn't have my parents doing shit. Like that was it. Like my pops couldn't do nothing. But that was the worst experience. That was the worst experience of my life. Like, but it, but the only thing that it did do was like the Mexican gang was like, oh, because I was a little nerdy kid in sixth grade, and I used to always like wrestle in the like I was like WWE wrestling. With my with like you know my little white friends and shit. So the Mexicans like when I fought them, I was trying to do wrestling moves. I put one in a sleeper, and I like and I you know I punched one in the face. So they were like, oh, he's got heart. That's the only thing that, that I learned at the end of the day was that I could fight a little bit. But other than that, style wise, yo, my first haircut was dreadful. Dreadful. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound good. Somehow, well, at least seventh grade art. I feel like you could recoup from a sixth grade mishap. You would have caught that, like, 8th grade, ninth grade? That sticks with you. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, the the haircut. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I thought, you know, you always had your dude or, you know, your spot. You always went to the same person, cut the hair. All that I've seen is, you know, super curls for the girls, Dre. Yeah, that was afterwards, man. Like, after I learned my lesson, like, you know, don't let white people touch your hair. Then it was like, yo, I got, you know, I got my own. I got my curl. I grew my hair. I had my curls. You know what I'm saying? I had my waves earlier. I would go to the same barber. Like, I found me a barber named Sleepy. 
Um, and I was good. But I learned that from my most terriblest thing that could have possibly happened. The shit was like a sitcom. Like my hair looked like a sitcom. Like, yo, it shouldn't have looked like that. You couldn't have drawn that up. It was terrible. <laughs> Are you still overly loyal to one barber? Um, yeah, now I am. Like, it's, it's one of my homeboys from high school. He used to cut my hair when he was in, like in tenth grade. So he's been like my barber for quite a while. So yeah, I'm loyal to him. See, that's that's Vegas in a nutshell, right there. Because my barber, same dude, used to cut my hair in in high school. Went, ended up going to barber school, cut my hair ever since. He's moved to Dallas. Now I got a baldy. Moral <laughs> of the story. Listen, you can't even, I can't even trust someone else. Like, I got another dude who cuts everybody else's hair, went to high school with me, and he's dope. So, like, my pops came into town, told him to go see him, blah, blah, blah. But I still won't go see him. It's a different level of loyalty. I can't do it. So now I just got to rock the baldy. One day, you know, one day I'm going to go... You know, get the beard shaped up and stuff like you and AJ with your manicured man beards and, and figure that out and get a new barber for that. But until then, I'm holding I'm holding fast on this. Um, before we talk about boxing from last weekend, one other thing that came out, I think it was yesterday, relatively recently, if it wasn't yesterday, double XL freshman list. I know you've seen this since you've been back from hiatus. Yeah, I've seen it. It's not that bad. No, it's it's not. But this it's is the best of, one in years. I don't. I mean, that's not saying a lot. Like the bar is already on the floor for the past few years with the double XL freshman list. But YBN Corday is dope. Megan the Stallion is dope. Uh, the baby solid. Um, it's not. I mean, it's not a bad list. But I, I don't know what constitutes a freshman. That's my only issue with the double XL freshman list. Because is it yeah. your first album? Is it your age? Like what is it? Because if if it's like. The new kids on the if, if it's the new artists that are on the block, then I'm looking for Griselda gang. I'm looking for Benny and Conway and those cats. Benny's been killing it, but he's kind of been around for a while. Like, I don't know what the rules are. Like, Megan Thee Stallion, okay, she had the Tina Snow project, but like her first major label project, that makes sense. Yeah. But some of the other cats, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I could have like, went without Rico Nasty. Uh, I, I mean, mean I like Tia Tamara. But I'm like, outside, I try to listen to our own stuff. Eh, I'm all right. Uh, I feel like Gunna is a little too old for a yeah, See, that's, that's where I'm like trying to figure out where the line is drawn. So I look at, you know, the baby and I see Megan Thee Stallion, I see Wabi and Corday, who was really dope. And then I see Gunna and I'm like, well, what's he doing here? So the, the list isn't bad. Um, it, it is their best list, but dog, some of those artists on that list, I'm like, I've never heard your music before. Blueface. Yeah, Blueface is terrible. Yo, I see, and listen, I got friends from high school who are amazing parents. I'm not, I'm not knocking them, but their kids are a little, little bit hood. Not a bad way. They get good grades, so they're better hood than when we grew up. But they're still hood. And I saw this one chick whose son. It was like his birthday at the pool, and he's just like grabbing his swim trunks. And the kid turned like ten or eleven, oh, and, and doing the blue face, like humping the air dance. Like, pulling his swim trunks damn near off. I'm like, why are you recording this? Why are you letting him do this? Like, he's about to be bare ass at this pool party. It was it was all bad. So, yeah, Blueface is not the best role model for the kids. At least not with that dance. Um, and the guy can't rap. But, you know, the movement's moving. Uh, I don't know who Comenthazine is. Never heard any of the music, so that's yeah. one I'm not sure about either. I heard he's a SoundCloud guy. Cool. 
Uh, Tierra Whack. Tierra Whack is dope. Tierra Whack, I haven't heard. I, I got to get into that. Uh, YBN Corday. Cool. Um, Elena's son listens to him a lot. So he's on, like, you know, around the crib. So I can I can actually be all right with that. I can stomach that. Gunner's not bad. I feel like Drake's on every big record. The uh, baby, I can't get over his misshapen head and the memes. So yeah, like Roddy Rich never heard, Lil Mosey never heard. But you know, all in all, I could stomach this list. Last year's, I was like, who the fuck are these people? Yeah, but see, my my thing is, do these lists even matter anymore? Oh, they always matter. Do they? Yeah, it still holds credit. It's like. It's like cool. We we all write on the internet, right? Like we're we're all writing for publications who are internet based. But if the New York Post came and said, "Yo, Dre, you're doing the the back page sports full page article, and you're writing for that," it still matters, right? Like yeah. it it still holds that like nostalgia. Um, and, and this does like double XL. Listen, you. We may not think it's deserving, it might be diluted or whatever, but the people that you now can say you've been on the cover with, the Lupes, the Coles, the Kendricks, the the Let's Go, and your name is one of rarefied air to grace the same cover, yeah, it still matters. No matter how diluted it gets. Yeah. The Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame, my brother. Like it, it might be tougher in basketball to make it in the eighties than it is now, but it's still the Hall of Fame. I don't see. I don't. I don't see that comparison. Like the Double XL freshman, once upon a time was a bunch of artists that you were checking for. Nowadays, it's like fifty-fifty, and it's it's whatever. It's like to compare it to like the New York Post. Like I don't. I don't see the value. I don't even know who reads Double XL anymore. I don't know who reads the New York Post. Like again, a lot of that stuff. Uh, New York Post has a readership. Like I don't know if Double XL has a readership. You think it just died off? I mean, yeah, a lot of this is carried social media based now, right? And yeah. uh. And through their digital platform. But really, it's, it's based off of Twitter. Like this, I'm not sure how many people clicked into the actual article to read these things. The cover image ran around Twitter and people gave their commentary. So, sure. But being on the cover still matters a ton if you're one of those artists. Um, really, I, I'm not backing them. like Because to me, it doesn't matter as much. But that's why I, I feel like I've woken up and realized I am now an old man musically. Well, before you before you said, I'll say this. This is why these lists don't matter anymore. The reason why they don't matter is because most of these artists are already on. Back in the day when these lists used to come out, it was for artists that you would go, oh, I need to check for that artist. So a freshman list was like, yo, these are the up and coming artists. Yeah. Th- these lists are, are guys that already have fan bases. Well, t- so it's now SoundCloud people, though, right? Like, everything's so accessible that you're not going to get that. Before, like you said, when you were doing music, hip-hop DX and blah, 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 all these things, you'd get the album, you sit down, you'd marinate, you tell people who to listen to and who's up and coming. There was mixtapes, so it'd be like people deep cuts on mixtapes. Like, song 18, 19, you'd be like, ooh, who's that spinning? And then three years from now, they're on. Or like G-Unit, bogarting their way into mixtapes and, and Hot 97 radio and all this stuff. Where you're just like, yo, what is this? So people actually had their ear to the ground and then told the masses. So the masses then would have to go to Double XL, be like, who is this? And then go to you guys for music. Where do I find this? Now everything's so accessible. 
So that's my point. So what what are we really telling people to do with this list? You're telling old people like me, like, yo, these are the young kids. Like, if it wasn't for this list, I wouldn't know who Comethazine is. Guess I, what? You still don't know who Comethazine is. I might, I might, I might check them out, though. See, that's that's the point. Like, when I, I don't know, maybe I, I put it towards me being old. But when I was young, I never wanted to miss the bandwagon. Or, you know, I didn't want to be behind the curve. Not bandwagon, per se, but behind the curve on new music or new artists. I didn't want to find out about Lloyd Banks when Beg for Mercy dropped. I was very proud knowing, you know, Lloyd Banks from the G-Unit radio mixtapes and knowing all the freestyles and Banks' victory and all this stuff. Like, that was me for every artist. I never wanted to be the guy who was like, yo, what? I'm just finding out and have to back catalog someone. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Let them prove themselves until they're not new anymore. And then if they're around in a year, then I'll go and listen to them. Yeah, see, I, I just don't, I don't, it doesn't have the same value. It's not, it's like, instead of being in front of the curve, you're now behind the curve telling people, most people what they already know because these are established artists. And established in a way that like Megan Thee Stallion's album is out and it's already done well. So it's like yeah. you putting her on the, on the cover, like she could, it's like putting Chance on the cover after the coloring book drop. It's yeah. like, oh, well, I mean, what, what are you telling us? I feel like a freshman list or, and I'm, I'm not even going to totally blame XXL for this because the way we consume music is different. Like when the source was out there and you would get like, you see fat tape in the source or unsigned hype, you had, you had to actively find like a mixtape with like Big L or Big E or Fonte or whoever it was, Lupe, like you had to find those projects. It was like before they had an album out. I yeah. feel like once you have a major label album out or just an album out, period, on iTunes, you're not really a freshman anymore. But there's also no such thing as mixtapes. Mixtapes is, I think DJ Booth put it perfectly. My guys over there said it perfectly. A mixtape now is a bunch of songs that an artist is not completely confident to put on their album, and they just put them out there and call it a mixtape. Ain't nothing mixed about this project. There's no DJ. There's no like no like sample clearance issues. Cats are just putting out music and it, that could be an album and calling it a mixtape. Yeah, so cutting room floor albums. Yeah, it's it's there. Everything is different now. So in terms of the freshman list, it's like yo, you put Megan Thee Stallion on, but she's already got an album out and a tremendous buzz. What are you telling us? So I don't get it. No, that's fair. To, I mean, I'd rather them do this though than choose a bunch of people who aren't necessarily known, but equally less talented like last year i feel like they reached for a bunch of people who were just very popular on youtube and soundcloud yeah and i mean again double excel's freshman list I, from what i know from people that i know that still work there it's their top selling issue still and i don't know how much that means because print is obviously dying so it, it carries weight because it still sells i just don't know if it means anything for the artists i don't i don't know if how many how many people are still going out there looking to like, oh, I need to find out who this is because I never heard of him. Or you're just going, oh, I'm, I'm validated because I already know who this person is now. They're on the cover of Double XL. I don't know what difference it makes anymore. I don't know the rules. I don't know anything. We old, Dre. <laughs> that's, that's all. Musically, we are old. You're the old head. I'm glad you got the gray in the beard now. You're, you're that guy now. People are like, yo, this guy's been covering music since 2000? And that just seems like a century ago. I tell my daughter anything about 2000, and she's just like, what? Like, yeah, can't even recognize that that was a time period. But I guess that's how I looked at my mom when she talked about the 80s. So, 
it's just wild. We're getting we're getting old, man. Um, let's move into combat sports though. We gotta talk boxing. Few things happened, or one thing happened last week, and we have a fight in Vegas this weekend. But first, Fury, Kale Schwartz, and I feel like this fight happened three weeks ago. I don't know why I feel so distant. Same. <laughs> like I, I, I had no clue. I'm like trying to figure out what we're doing for our show today. I was like, "Yo, was this just last weekend?" It, it felt like so long ago. And big up to Fury for getting the KO because he doesn't have monster power. This isn't what he does. But he found a way to do it to make his mark, to make his stamp on the fight. Uh, he sung afterwards, and you know, brought in his audience. It being on ESPN Plus, I'm not sure it was the best move. Um, I guess you, you, you had to get subscribers and new subscribers and maybe, I don't know if this works in Great Britain or if that, how that plays out, but I thought it was an ESPN worthy fight. So them putting it on ESPN plus probably hurt him a little bit, but sports center picked it up, showed all the good moments. And, uh, he went viral for like the little, you know, rope, uh, head movement joint where he didn't get hit by five punches, which he does every fight. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was cool. I'm, I wasn't overly impressed. Um, yeah, I mean, he took care of business. He did kind of what he was supposed to do. But I, I will say this. He he got rid of Schwartz like I expected him to, probably a little bit earlier than I expected him to. Personally, I think he's the best heavyweight in boxing right now. I could care less what Deontay Wilder did to Dominic Brazil. And there's, there's one reason behind this, because the one thing that Tyson Fury possesses that other heavyweights don't is a chin. And the fact that he got up against Deontay Wilder says a lot. And the fact that he was, he had just come back from being 400 pounds, depressed, had two fights against like bum opponents, went in there with Deontay Wilder and nearly won. If he didn't get knocked down, he would want to fight. Yep. Right? So in the rematch, a Tyson Fury who was not trying to sit 170 pounds is training for a fight, then training to lose weight. I think he beats Deontay Wilder pretty soundly because he was up pretty soundly on most people's scorecards until those knockdowns happened. But, I mean, and those knockdowns are something that always happens with Deontay Wilder. It's not like we're talking about a chance knockdown. This is the norm in all of his fights. Every one of his opponents is, touches the canvas. The issue is this. The issue is Deontay Wilder's not – there's no wrinkle in Deontay's game that's going to change. Like, he is still a little wild and reckless. He still throws the right from a distance. Like, he has he has KO power that's un, uncanny. Like, he can obliterate you with one punch. Right, and he's done. He's proven to do that, but he couldn't put away Tyson Fury. It, Tyson Fury, he got he, as close as you can to burying a man. But, in but, the the fact, but my point is, in the rematch, what does Deontay Wilder do different that Tyson Fury can't see coming? He just hits him again. Like you don't have to. Sometimes you don't have to change. It's like the speech in Remember the Titans. Six plays. It's like Novocaine. Give it time. It's gonna work. Like sometimes you don't have to change. You know what. You butters your bread and you go in there and you do it. So you say, I caught him three times last time and he barely escaped with his head. I'm going to catch him three times this time and he ain't getting up. But he did get up. He's felt the worst that you had to, to give him. I, like that, I, I, would, I would argue that Deontay Wilder was like, okay, prove it again. Because he probably thinks he can catch him a lot clean. But that's, my, but that's my issue. Is that Tyson Fury is a better boxer, has better movement, and he's going to be in better condition than he was the first time around. There's, there's no denying that Tyson Fury is going to be a better Tyson Fury in the rematch. And he was putting on a boxing clinic on Deontay Wilder until his knockdowns came. 
So you, you're giving him another year? He's because he's going to fight again this this fall. I think I don't I don't know if if Deontay Wilder doesn't knock him out. He like he's not winning a decision. I'll put it like that. Deontay Wilder is never going to win a decision against Tyson Fury. He has to knock him out. And it's, yeah, it, that's very true. No, he it, could it, win a decision if he just lands two knockdowns. Yeah, but I don't. But that means he has to outbox him like at least five rounds and score those knockdowns. I don't see him outboxing Tyson Fury. I just don't see it. Like you have to outbox again a man who had just was fighting four hundred pounds of weight came in there because when when, the, when they first announced the fight, I said it on the show. It's too soon. I thought it was way too soon for Tyson Fury to fight Deontay Wilder. He fought two guys who were one who was moonlighting as a cruiserweight, another guy that nobody ever heard of, and then he immediately jumped in the lines then with Deontay Wilder, who's been active, and he survived. A more conditioned Tyson Fury, I, unless unless Deontay Wilder does some things that are different. I, I don't see I, I, he has to knock him out and it's very possible I think it's a 60-40 fight now I think it's a 60-40 in favor of Fury but I just don't see Deontay getting any better like his footwork is still kind of janky like, <laughs> he, like he gets to me the biggest thing is he used the jab a lot better in the last fight um while it lasted to me he just still gets a little too wild when he has someone hurt He'd be better to just stay calm, stay at a distance, keep piecing someone up. He rushes in and fails like a windmill, and it gives the other person, one, a chance to catch him again, or to catch him in retaliation, like we saw with Fury, who ended up rocking him because he rushed in like a madman, or the person ties up and gets their bearings because he doesn't know how to keep space. He just rushes him. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, dog, I just don't. Uh, right now, I don't see it. Like the Schwar- So I'll go back to this. The Schwartz fight... We saw Tyson Fury go from orthodox to southpaw in the second round, throw the, the, the right hand. He mashed the right hand, threw his straight left down the middle, and knocked Schwartz out. Yep. Right? He barely, like when he did get touched, it kind of pissed Tyson off. I know they say Tyson Fury doesn't have knockout power, but he does have Deontay Wilder power. But he gets volume punching and he can hurt you. He buzzed Wilder in that fight. Oh, yeah. So I feel like Tyson Fury has a better ring IQ than Deontay Wilder. So now that he's seen what Deontay Wilder has to offer, he kind of knows what's coming. So if, in the rematch, it's like, all right, he's going orthodox. He switches to southpaw. He shoots the jab. Tyson Fury's tough as hell to beat, man. He's the to me right now. He's the best heavyweight in boxing. That's wild. I mean, we're gonna see, and we get, uh, you know, two more fights from these guys in between. Then uh, looks like Fury will be fighting a little bit after Wilder. Wilder fights again in the fall, uh, in a rematch against Ortiz, and then. Fury's headed for who? Like Big Baby, a juiced up Big Baby. I see. I don't even see that happening. Like I don't. I don't know who to, who his next fight will be, but I sincerely doubt it'll be Jarrell Miller. Yeah, I say give him a can again. Like I don't. I'm I'm comfortable with where Fury is, and I don't think he needs like the stiffest test before he gets to Wilder. I don't. But see. But who's a can? Like, who are you going to fight this not, can? Not a can. I mean, but give him a guy like this past fight, a guy who measures up physically in terms of the the eye test, you know? So going into the last fight, someone who's not 5'11", 6 foot, no disrespect to, uh, you know, some of the shorter fighters out there, Ruiz. Like, Ruiz standing next to Anthony Joshua was like, oh, this shit doesn't even look fair, which built for that upset and why it was so great. Because people, just the eye test. He didn't pass the eye test. But we knew his skills were really good. 
give him someone whose skills aren't that good, but passes the eye test. So well, someone I... who's six five, six six, not flabby. Um, what is Stavern doing? Stavern took a couple L's. Give him Stavern. He ain't nah. a can. Stavern but he has some accolades. Stavern's a can. Now, so, <laughs> okay, but he he got a little he got a little oomph behind him due to he's accomplished things before. Give him someone like that who's big, who's not gonna look like he should just be run over, like it's a squash match. I think it'll be Kubrat Pilev. That's that's top ranks best heavyweight aside from Tyson Fury. So I think that's what the route they're gonna go. And Pilev is a pretty good fighter. Um, I think he's like twenty seven and one. That's who he should be fighting. Don't give him an absolute can. I don't think Tyson Fury wants a can. I mean, the fact that Deontay Wilder is going in there with Luis Ortiz again, who we don't know whether he's 40 or 140, you know, he's not going in there with no bum. Ortiz no. is still pretty good. Uh, so Fury should take a good fight as well. I mean, it, to raise his profile, especially. Yeah. And Ortiz uh, is a good matchup for Wilder because he's slick. Like, Fury is slick. Like, you need, he's a good he preparation for that. He nearly burned Wilder in that first fight. Yep. Like a lot of people remember the knockout, but a lot of people forget. Like Ortiz was all over Wilder. I believe it was like in the fourth round. Yep. So, so he punches a, tough- a little harder than Fury. He's not as quick and agile, but he also slick. He got that like you know like that Cuban boxing style where it's hard to hit. So he gives you a nice look. He's probably the the second best look you can get heading into the Fury fight. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think this is the route that you go, but. Right now, if you ask me, like we just had this, the, the spring of the heavyweights, and obviously, you know, we saw what happened to uh, Anthony Joshua, but uh, so and Luis, you know, and um, and uh, Andy Ruiz is, you know, he's a distant third on this list. Like I called them, I wrote that article. Like I called the heavyweights Jodeci. So you, you have two seekers. <laughs> it makes me laugh have, every time. <laughs> you have Casey and JoJo, which is Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, and then you have Devontae and Dalvin, which is Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua. Like Damn, Joshua are, got devoted quick. <laughs> no, you got knocked out. Like you, you, you're still in the group, and you're still in one of the top groups that make R&B interesting again. But you're not on the same level as Fury and Wilder. So you gotta, you either Dalvin or Devonte. You're one of those two. You at least gotta be Devonte. Nobody wants to be Dalvin. Nah, I mean, you know, Mr. Dalvin was the guy. He just stood around and looked pretty. That was Dalvin's job. He didn't do nothing else. Dalvin came out with a single that was terrible. If anybody remembers it, it was awful. Like, at least Devontae produced and made other boxers. I mean, made other producers. You know, he had the, the basement. He had Timberland, Missy. Like, Devontae did all that. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about Jodeci. The visual of Jodeci. Devontae was the guy talking, yeah. Fiending and all that shit and producing. Dalvin didn't do shit. I don't know which Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua, I don't know who they are, but Casey and JoJo are in the front singing lead, and that's Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. <laughs> oh man, Anthony Joshua you just whoo boy, please bring that up in your next interview with Joshua. Just be like, yo, you know you're Devontae though. <laughs> he's gonna be like, What? I don't yeah, even know if they had Joe to see in the UK. Yeah. I don't know if that probably go over his head. Uh <laughs> man, uh we have a fight coming up this weekend in Vegas. Uh Charlo's fighting here. We're supposed to be a rematch for the fight that he was robbed in, but due to injury it's not happening. So, should people tune in and watch this fight? Sure, why not? It's Sunday. That's my only answer for you. <laughs> okay. As I said, we'll be, we'll be at the fight uh, watching it because yeah, it's Vegas. We go to all the fights. But I just can't. I don't know. There, there's an FSW card that day. I'm really trying to figure out, do I need to be at this fight? And to me, Rigandau, I think, is fight on undercard. So, that's why I want to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, aside from that, this is this card. I mean, he's fighting uh, George Coda, who nobody knows. Um, Jamel Charlo, you know, it's, it's, it's a tuna fight because obviously they're going to rebook this Harrison fight probably for the end of the year. I can't remember how severe Harrison's in- injury is, but uh, it's just a showcase fight. So you have nothing better to do on a Sunday. Might as well watch it. Aside, I mean, it's either that or watch WWE Stomping Ground. So you pick your poison. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little while. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd take a Charlo showcase fight over Stomping Ground at this point. And that just tells you what I feel about the main roster. Um, let's roll into MMA then. To start the week, I went over to UFC headquarters because they opened up the new Apex uh, right next to the headquarters. It's where they are hosting Dana White's Contender Series this year. And uh, supposedly they have capability of putting like 6,000 seats in there. So maybe the fights at the Palms and stuff like that are a thing of the past. Maybe they just make it all in-house. Uh, for what I saw, it was probably like 200 people. Um, these contender series fights are always very small and intimate. And it was people just, you know, fighters, uh, guys from the camps of the fighters participating, and family, um, a couple special invited guests and media. It was cool. They had a taco truck. So that's dope. They always do good by the media and feed feed people at these things. And uh, the fights were okay. But I really like the new building. The atmosphere is dope. And the UFC is expanding to a point of uh, really making Vegas their home base, man. I'm still surprised more people aren't coming out here and training. I know uh, Nganu said yesterday that this is definitely his home base, did his entire camp here this time, um, preparing for his fight next weekend. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised more people don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, you should uh, come out and train in Vegas because the performance, the performance center, and everything else that they have there. And now the the Apex, which I haven't toured yet because I was out of town, I didn't give a shit. But um, I will. I guess we'll see more guys start at the at the uh, the Apex, maybe. Yeah, especially the younger guys. They pay for your food. Vegas isn't an expensive place to live. You get a one bedroom for like six fifty, seven hundred. They pay for all your meals as a fighter. You get to train in a gym for free. I don't know why you would train anywhere else if you're bottom third of this UFC roster. True. I guess you got to relocate to Vegas. I guess that's what it takes. Word. There's Uh, plenty of clubs. You'd be a bouncer or a bartender when you're not fighting because they still always have to have like secondary jobs if you're on the bottom third. But those are easy secondary jobs. You know, you go to a day club and you're just security and watch people perform. Can't tell me for you know for Tita still don't pull favors or Dana can't get you in somewhere that this would seem like the perfect place to be whether you're a male or female talent on the roster to get an easy job easy money train for free. Sounds good theory. I don't know if the UFC is <laughs> really trying to help their fighters like that. I just don't know if they're really looking out. So that's a damn shame. I mean, if you got to do something, it's bad enough you won't let the guys unionize. Do something to pay these people. Mm. Nah, I, I I've, se- I've seen kids go that go to Gorman whose parents miraculously ended up with jobs in the casino and relocated from Hawaii and San Diego. Like the the Fertitas, if you need a favor, they got you. And that that's high school football. You tell me you can't do it for a pro fighter. It's it's a little sketchy if they don't. But uh I'm surprised more people aren't out here. We'll see the facility is dope. Um the UFC 
Oh, they have a fight coming up this weekend. We'll review it. Nothing that really sticks out. <laughs> Korean Zombie. Like, I don't even want to preview it. it. We'll talk about it next week if some wild shit happens, like a KO. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is Bellator 222. It's happened uh-huh. last week after we put out the shows, the day after. Um, Dre, they can't catch a break with these young stars or marketable stars. Can't catch a break. Pico goes down again. Knocked out again. Hardy stopped again. And she, it, she's an amazing boxer. It just it hasn't translated to MMA yet. And she's marketable if she won. And then losing uh, Caldwell, the champion, losing. And now the one FC champion holds both belts. Not saying that, you know, that's a horrible thing, but you would want your guy to be a, your champion. Now it's like an outsider came and took your belt. So that's crazy. They, it, it just wasn't a good night for Bellator. Yeah, I mean, look. And I said this before. I said it last week. They didn't do Aaron Pico any favors. They put him in their tough, early, experienced opponents, and now his ego's probably destroyed. Um, because not only is he losing, he's getting knocked silly in his fights. He got submitted in his first fight, won in a few in a row, started smelling himself, and then he went right back to, to just trying to knock guys out, and he got put away. Well, this time he just didn't even set up his shoots, his shots, like his takedown attempts, and he was trying to wrestle, but he brought no hands this time and ended up getting caught. I mean, it's kind of like an NBA player coming out of the draft that, the, you know, the scouts say he's a complete package. He just can't miss, right? And there's only a few of those guys. There's only, like, going to be one Zion or one LeBron that, yeah. that completely can't miss. Like, you look at the skill set and you're like, unbel- you know, the IQ was already there. Like, when LeBron came out of St. Mary St. Vincent and went pro, everybody, you know, you're still concerned maybe he could be a bust, but you can see, like, the court generalship and everything else. With somebody like John Jones, for instance, who had six fights before he came into the UFC. Yeah. So he was already kind of seasoned in a way that he had fought some opponents, and now he, you know, like, Aaron Pico's first fight in Bellator, his first pro fight was in Bellator on the main card. Like, you threw him to the wolves. You put him in the spotlight, and he burned. So instead of trying to push him around s- slowly, they were putting him in tough spots. They were putting on main card after main card. And now he's getting obliterated. And it's not because he's not skilled. It's because he doesn't get it, right? He doesn't understand pacing himself. He doesn't understand when to, when to use his strengths. So it's like if you have a, like a player coming out of high school or you know high school players like that went to the end of NBA, and I think of guys like Jonathan Bender, for instance, and it's like it's too soon. You weren't ready. Yep. You could have used that college. Like in, in the case of Aaron Pico, you could have used the refill to get better. So Heather Hardy's a little bit different because she was a boxer, and it's, it's, it's tough for a boxer to shift gears completely and fight MMA style. It's just the range is different. Everything's different. Um, and Heather's been around the block. But Pico, he's dog. He's just 21. And you might have ruined this kid. Um, so it's a, it's a rough week. It was, it's a bit a rough time for Bellator in terms of making new stars, which we talked about last week. Yep. But the guy that I, told, that I told you to watch for, and now everybody saw us, Juan Archuleta. Yeah. Archuleta demolished Eduardo Dantes. And he's a guy who could maybe be big in, in, uh, in Bellator. But for the most part, like even the finals of this Grand Prix is Roy McDonald. It, 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 like they're going right back to the well. Like we just saw this fight. Yep. Right? We just saw Douglas Lima and Rory. 
So we didn't make anything. MVP lost. Ed Ruth lost. Neiman Gracie lost. Yeah, you got no fresh matchups out of this tournament that's supposed to give you a different matchup at the top. Like, you got this same old thing. And then afterwards, you're going to have to start from scratch again. Yeah, and with, with got, these guys picking themselves up off, off the canvas after, what, knockout losses or just boring-ass fights for some of them. Yeah, it's just some of them, like, guys like, like AJ McKee are ready, right? Like, he's a guy that's ready. But it's, it's hard because Bellator... I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to push these stars. They're trying to make an impact, and they're trying to make a name of themselves as the number two promotion. But when it ends up going back to the Yoda Machida knocking out Chael Sonnen, you're like, two old UFC guys, yeah. right? <laughs> like, old. Old. Been there, Rory done that. Rory doesn't have the but fire now, like, anymore. That was ugly. Yeah, so it's it's going to be difficult. Like, this weekend, Gegard Masasi's fighting. He's fighting in London, and nobody's going to care about this fight. No. And... And he's fighting Lovato Jr., which is a hell of a fight. But Bell, I, I don't. I just don't know what Bellator is doing. I just I don't get it anymore. I don't get what they're doing. Yeah, I did. these back-to-back cards where, like, why wasn't this on last weekend's card? Like, this would have been fine. Do you need a London show a week after the show you just had? Like, just stack those cards. Something. I don't care if you put three titles, you know, consolidate your cards. Understand you got the zone thing, but use that purely like a weekly television, kind of like NXT does. Like, you don't need a main event every weekend. Like, it's cool. Stack a few cards a year and then just build out the rest of your roster on the other ones. It's just, it's it's not working out how they thought it would. And they tried. And they got really talented people to come in, young people. It's just the, the wheels fell off at a, at a bad time because now they're still they're leaning more on the old washed up talent than they should have than they should be at this point in time. It was okay to start by leaning on the young washed the old washed up talent, but you can't do it three years after the process. They just no. resigned Fedor. Yeah, like, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> like you know. yeah, like it's it's too long in the process to to keep going. By now, those people were just supposed to boost. Your young talent into star potential and keep him rolling, and hasn't done so. Um, Archuleta, good credit on that one though. He is a beast. He went yeah. out there and just it was no off switch. But he reminds me of the the other guys who've always been Bellator champions or World Series of Fighting champions who have no off switch. You know the the man the Chandlers and you have the. Oh shit! What's his face? Who just got not Eddie Alvarez and all these guys who are like, yo, they're so good, you know. And they've always he just seems like the next in line of those guys. I don't know if he's the next star in MMA. Nah, we don't know. We don't know. And Bellator hasn't done a tremendous job of pushing like the next big thing. No, when you're relying on Fedor, and I, I get it, you know, this is going away to her, but it's like, come on, guys, they're the king of building the next underground king, but not building a mainstream star to save their life and that's True. that's that's a rough place to be um so transition last thing we'll talk about pro wrestling uh not too much to talk about again slow week in pro wrestling but i do want to touch on something i saw AEW reports 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 um so don't know how true this is but we're just going to deal with the hypothetical is it right or is it wrong or what is brewing Reports of AEW saying John Moxley cannot compete for New Japan in Dallas. Yeah. Stateside Moxley is theirs. Yeah. 
this is this would be the second time they've drawn a line in the sand. Taking Kenny and not doing a share to me is the first kick in the nuts. Mm, now see. Moxley signed that deal before he signed your AEW deal, and then you leveraging that and saying no, you can't use him in Dallas when he is the biggest American star on that roster already. He is their North American champion already. They need that for ticket sales, and you say no. They're bad. I mean, look at put it like this. <laughs> yeah, I think I they're mean, starting a beef they don't need to beef with. I, I think I'm, it could have been an act like nah, a cool wait, friendship wait, wait, wait. relationship. There's no beef. There's no beef. There's no beef. Okay. New, New Japan knew what this was. Like Moxie signed his deal and with All Elite and his deal with New Japan at around the same time. And it, it's very clear, like, yo, you can't use your talent in the States. You can use them in Japan. But as far as, far as I know, New Japan doesn't have a beef with this at all. They're fine. He's going to be in G1. That's true. But you like, think, why come to Dallas then? Like, if you did the MGM show, or excuse me, the MSG show. You're coming to Dallas. You're trying to make a name stateside. And you're selling who? You can't even sell your biggest. That's why, that's why they're not selling. Because for a while, they sold Kenny Omega. Cool, you can sell out. That was great. Moxie would have the same appeal. People would show up to see Moxie. You can't use him. Jericho, can't use him. But who's bad is this? Like, this is what I'm saying. It's like, when All Elite Wrestling launched, like, they're, they're do, they still do a talent share, right? And do they? With certain, but, but with G1, like, that was booked a year ago, before All Elite was a thing. Now All Elite is a thing, and they're not doing a stateside talent share. But they're, they're still going to use them. What and happens when PWG comes up? Do they let their guys be in PWG? If they want to. Well, it, it I mean, what do you think? I, we it's don't know weekly television. I mean, you, you we haven't crossed that particular bridge yet. Like, they would be I, a month away from weekly television. Does Darby Allen show at Bola? Probably. But see, I, I, I think, think they're going towards the road of no. I I think they're going towards the the path of completely separating themselves from the Indies, which isn't a horrible thing, but it, it's kind of slapping the people in the face that. Somewhat help you get there. ROH is screwed because of AEW. Are, are they screwed because of AEW or are they screwed because of ROH? A little bit of both. I mean, they they, they boosted that first all-in event. Production, all this stuff. They, they gave them the boost. It, it's like, you know your mans can't get over the fence. You give them the boost and you ask him to reach his hand down and pull you up with him. But when he gets over the fence, he just keeps it moving and never looks back. It's kind of dirty. I, I, I don't see this. Like, because if the WWE did this, it's expected. Would anybody say no, because they're the big bad guys. To me, like but, now AEW, the the nice shiny good guy on the block is showing a little bit of teeth. They're showing a little bit of bad guy qualities. Dog, I don't think it's teeth. I think when you sign a contract and it's explicitly stated in the contract that you can't wrestle in the states if you sign a New Japan, I don't think that's teeth. I think it's a contract. Like I don't, I don't see this as being such a big deal. I see people trying to make this thing a big deal, but I don't see this Moxley not wrestling at G One because G One was booked before there was Moxley, before the Elite left. Like New Japan made their decision to come to the states for the stateside expansion. Yeah. Little did they know that Tony Khan was going to get in the wrestling business. But this isn't like 
I, I don't know what people want out of this. Like all elite is a, the the fact that all elite wrestling not even is allowing. He's just saying, all right, cool. Jericho's wrestling in New Japan, and and Moxley's wrestling in New Japan. But you got to draw a line somewhere. It's like, goddamn, you just can't use them all the time. <laughs> I think it's just like two shows in the U.S. a year. But all right, it's just it is what it is. Like Jericho just wrestled at Dominion, and I mean, and New Japan has made it clear like. We're aligned with the Ring of Honor. That's what New Japan does, which is weird, but they're loyal, and that's how they function. But I see people making a big deal out of this, and I, dog, I don't give a shit. New, like the G1 show is still going to be good with or without Moxley. Yeah, I just don't think it sells as much, business-wise. Like you, but my you point cost is, the money. Did you? Because the shit was booked before Moxley was even a free agent, and the shit has been dragging in sales. But that's. That's because there's what there's like three things going on that weekend. Yeah, but he's capable of bringing in more people. Whose problem is that? That's what I'm saying. Like if I book a show, right before Moxie was like you, you were never relying on Moxie to begin with. No, but you as soon as I sign him, he's not my talent. Because so if he signs to you afterwards, I'll be damned if you tell me he can't wrestle where I want him to wrestle because he signed to me first. Are you sure about that? I think from everything I've heard, like yeah. by legit people. Like not no. even like on some on some BS. Like I heard he signed to New Japan first, and then AEW. Regardless, if that's a week later. But he didn't. That's that's all I'm saying. He didn't. Right. The the AEW thing came. The AEW thing was first. Like immediately, thirty days. Once his thirty days was up, they they already had that deal ready to go with Moxley. But again, New Japan already booked for Houston. Without Moxley, they were, were going to rely on New Japan stars. Their stateside expansion has blown up because AEW got, was launched. Cody, the Bucks, the Elite, Omega left, right? Mm-hmm. But now New Japan's just got to pick up the pieces. That's not AEW's problem. It's New Japan's problem. I don't, I don't understand. Like, what do you want? I don't understand. Like, they were already going to be here. Moxie wasn't a factor to begin with. Your sales are just dragging because your sales are dragging. But you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. So what do you want them to do? I, I, I would think they want to parade their new toy. And they can't. <laughs> it's like, they, they can't. And I mean, but what is And again, what does it really do? Like, okay, you put Moxie on the G1 in the States, right? Mm. What does it really do? Gets long a few term. more butts in the seats. No, I don't. Long term, I don't. I don't know. Like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. No, because I mean, those he's, are, he's not missing his block matches. So no, so so the people who are going to watch G One are going to watch it anyway. The people who are going to watch New Japan are going to be excited that it's going to be here. They're not going to go. Oh, Moxley's not there. I'm not going. Those yeah. of us who love New Japan are going to go still see New Japan. It might get a few more ticket sales that Moxley's going to wrestle. But that's, I don't think New Japan was ever really relying on Moxie to begin with. And that's my whole point. I think other people are making this a big deal when New Japan hasn't really said shit. They haven't said a thing. But everybody else is like, oh, if WWE, dog, that's not what this I is feel about. Like it's the it's, beginning of a big deal. Not that it is I, a big deal. Until, like, New Japan is still New Japan, which wrestles a majority of their shows in Japan. They, they're trying to stateside expansion, which is great for us who love it, but to rely, like, the worst thing that New Japan can do is exactly what ROH did, was rely on other people's talent. You can't do it. Rely on your own talent. That's yeah. why ROH is dead. 
for all intents and purposes, nobody cares about ROH, even though they still have solid wrestling, but they lean so heavily on the elite without really establishing a next breed of stars. Like, come on, fucking Matt Taven? Seriously? Like, <laughs> that's why they're stuck in the mud because, like, they relied too heavily on people that weren't exclusively theirs. Whereas New Japan, you have to rely on the Okadas and the Tanahashis and the Ishii's and the Will Ospreys, like the Jay Whites. They are exclusively yours. Do that with your talent. But if you lean too heavily on a guy like Moxie, who is not exclusively signed to you, and who has a multi-year deal with AEW, all they can end up doing is blowing up in your face. Because once Moxie's done with his run at New Japan, he ain't coming back. He's full-time with AEW. Yeah. So you can't, you, can't, you can't rely on other people's talent. ROH is the perfect example. You can borrow talent. Like PWG is Bola. It's not like Bola's being streamed anywhere. Exactly. Right? It's not on TV. Like, it's strictly in-house. So the guys like Darby Allen and the rest who may perform at BOLA, it's not really hurting AEW any. It just kind of is these guys just want to work. And most people who do PWG that I've talked to in the past do it because they want to do it. It's not like necessarily they're getting booked to do it and they're like, oh, it's just another show to make some cash. They're excited about doing BOLA. But PWG is not really competition for anybody. It is truly like... It's, it's like AAA baseball where, you know, you're seeing guys like, you know, you're seeing guys like come up and crush. Yeah. And then when you get to the major league, that's when they crush. But they're not really competition. They, they're just a farm system where everybody else, like the, the NXTs and the ROHs and all these and the New Japans, they've, they've touched a lot of this talent in PWG. But PWG is not here to be competition. They have an established base. Yeah. They're, they're fine with being the feeder system. Yeah, and they don't care. for everyone. No, it's a good little niche for them. Um, let's talk about main roster WWE to end the show. Trash. <laughs> uh, let's go down this car and stop it, ground wait, wait, with the tip and boot. Wait, no, no, hold on. Before we start, since we got to talk about main roster, mm-hmm. what's up with your boy Ricochet? Oh, you weren't gonna let me skate on this. Listen, mm-hmm. I am not watching that video. That is one. I have seen the details of what are in this video. On Twitter, I'm just going to say it is 2019. I am not shaming anyone. You do whatever you like to do. That is it. That's that's all I can say with a straight face. I did, boy. I yo of all things to leak that can't leak. <laughs> Like on the real, like you, somebody got catch the fade. Somebody, somebody got to die off of that shit. Like you can't. That's that's something. If you know you are doing, you delete, and it never goes to the cloud. There's some huh. stuff you can just have toiling in your phone. So if someone hacks you, you be like, "All right, yo, you got me." Like, cool. You ain't embarrassed me with this. That is not one of them. My, like I said, some things like I know you guys like to, you know, send just little naked pictures and shit but certain things with the fact that people can clearly get into your shit like you can be hacked certain things you should just do for one-on-one when it when it's me and my girl i do this i'm not putting it on a phone yeah that can get hacked see but he's trapped in the in the we're not in the same place aspect of things like when you're traveling when you're working when you're on that schedule you got to keep stuff fresh. You got to keep stuff exciting. Like the, <laughs> that's what you call exciting. The, the, that's a little bit different. Like it's, He's flirting with the borders 
of excitement. But that's what he does in the ring. That's what he does in his phone, I guess. But I'm saying when you're traveling, yeah, you you know you want to keep it a little extra spicy between you and the missus, I guess. You you send a little video. She sends a little video. There's some pictures. If shit starts going crazy, like even if you're a guy and you request something wild from a chick and she sends it, I never understood the guys who just keep it or like catalog it or put it in a folder on their computer or have a. I knew someone who had a full fucking uh, external hard drive of like seven years of nudes and videos that chicks have sent. I'm like, what are you doing with that? Just go find another chick to see naked. Like, I, I don't understand the cataloging of these things. It's cool in the moment. Delete it. Don't send it to the cloud. Nothing in my phone goes to the cloud. I get that stupid message. Your iCloud storage space is full. Do you know your phone's not being backed up? Yes. That's how I like it. Yeah. Like, I'm not sending anything to the cloud. Anything on my phone is here today, gone tomorrow. Poor Ricochet. And, and look, the bottom line is... He got to win the belt for this. No. But the bottom line is that people are going to forget about this because not too long ago, if y'all remember, Paige was getting waxed by Xavier Woods in a video. And we have completely forgotten all about that. And the WWE paid it no mind. No, in which they they really shouldn't. Well, that's not true. The New Day clearly mentioned it during a promo. Yeah. (laughs) And during the rap battle, which is hilarious. But just little innuendos. But. you move on. Like, everybody's yeah. going to move on from this. It's not like Ricochet's career is going to be ruined. Nothing's going to happen. I just thought it was funny because I logged on and people were like, Ricochet. And I was like, oh, did he get hurt? No, he didn't get hurt. Nope. Yeah. And, anyway. yeah, just a little too far, it looks like. Oh, anyway, he got him with the belt to redeem himself. Uh, let's go down this off the ground with the big lug logo. Yo, Big E's tweet was hilarious. Is this a lugs commercial? Like, yo, she had me dying. Uh. Let's see these random assortment of matches, Dre. Pre-show, Daniel Bryan, again, and Eric Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. I like Heavy yeah. Machinery. I don't know if I'm supposed to care. I don't, I don't know. Daniel Bryan on a pre-show. I understand you got to give him rest breaks, right? Like, just with his, his shaky health, he can't be heavyweight champion going balls to the wall every night. Every you know for three years in a row, this is his rest break. So they give him the tag team titles, they give him a little rest break. He still cuts promos until they feel like ramping it up again with him. Um, I just don't know if it's needed to run this tag team division. There's other tag teams not doing shit. Like come up off of the belts. Where are the War Raiders? They were on Raw, but yeah, mean mugging Daniel Bryan. I don't understand any of this stuff. The brand split. I don't know why they were both. They're two different brands. What? Whatever. Uh, who do you have? Daniel Bryan and Rowan or Heavy Machinery? I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan and Rowan because I just really haven't had a reason to care about Heavy Machinery. So, whatever. Yeah, they're just getting ramped up. I hate this, too. It's like, yo, we're putting someone on TV. We're going to build them up. Boom. The Stormont's a feud. A title feud. Why? Give them a secondary feud. Let yeah, them get some it's... wins under their belt. I Make people Boy. care, like you just said. Um, Tony Nese versus Akira Tozawa versus Drew Gulak. 205 Live has been a lot better the past couple weeks. It hasn't been because of this title feud. Um, <laughs> everything else is better than the title feud. Every other storyline is better than yeah. their title feud. And that can't be the way that you build your brand. Drew Gulak should win. He's been cutting a lot more. Uh, like, you know, he did the Drew Gulak for a better 205 Live. 
He's flipped that on its head and gone even more heel with it. Super dark. Really good. He should win the title. Carry it into the next feud because there's some really good talent coming up. Uh, some guys they switched over. Lorkin is killing it. Uh, A.K.A. Biff Music. Great matches. Um, the young Spanish kid, his name escapes me, is killing it. Uh, Humberto uh, is killing it for them. So, yeah, man, I, I like the other talent, the other programs. <laughs> Uh, a lot more than this. So it's time to get the belt off of Tony Nice. You gave him his little victory lap, but he ain't doing it. Uh, I, I, right now, I think you stick with Tony Nice. Ugh, he's uh, so boring. He is boring, but that's they're bad. They should never put the title on him in the first place. But I feel like you need to build somebody up um, that's relatively new, maybe. Because my issue with Gulag is not that he's not good. is that I just watched him get submitted by Kushida in the submission match. Yeah. So... To put the title on and be like, well, damn, he's not good enough to beat the guys on NXT, but he can beat the champion of 205 Live. It don't feel right. When so, that guy is Tony Nese, yes. But, yeah, but... Give it to Tozawa. Do something. Dog, I just... This is a, a pay-per-view that nobody really cares about to begin with. Yeah. So, I'm totally fine with Nice retaining. Just, just make the match good. How about that? Yeah. Can we Ooh, do that? And Gable is down there now, which is really good. Yeah, like him, like Jack, Brian, or him versus Gallagher was really fun match. That's what I'm saying. Build those guys to be your 205 Live champion. Don't use the established guys like Gulak and Tozawa who've been there for a while and haven't really done much of anything. I don't even watch 205 Live like that, but the stuff that I have watched, I'm just not convinced that Tozawa or Gulak should take the title off of Nice. And all three, I mean, when Nice won, I was like, the fuck is this? But here we are. Yeah, <laughs> like this is what I, we're doing. I agree. Uh, then we have the new day: Big E and Xavier Woods. Big E's back in the ring versus Owens and Zayn. I have some good moments. Won't be a horrible <laughs> tag match. There's just nothing behind it, right? It's just like, okay, they've somehow put Zayn and Owens, who are main event guys, in with the feud with Ziggler and Kofi. So they got to give these other two guys something to do. Um, give me Zayn and Owens winning. And that's because later on, my prediction of the Kofi match. See, all right. So I feel like this match would be good if it, if I cared. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm not saying, like I care about everybody in this match, but they've had nothing to do. Like I feel like they just put them in there to give them something to do. Like this match should have a lot more meaning. Like Owens and Zayn, them reuniting as a tag team, they should be tag team champions. Yep. Right? This should be a tag team championship program. No, like this that's what this should be, but it's not. It's it's giving four guys who have nothing else to do because the people they're associated with are in a title match. And I have no idea why Owens and Zayn are associated with Ziggler. No clue. So Oh, because those are the last two contenders for Kofi, so they just still so, hate Kofi. So with that being said, I think Owens and Zayn should win by crook and put themselves into the title picture somehow. But I just don't know how we're getting there unless Heavy Machinery – and if Heavy Machinery wins the titles, then I don't think they should come off the title. So I don't know what the fuck we're doing. But I'm going to pick Owens and Zane by crook. Um, and then we have Samoa Joe versus Ricochet. Uh, I love Samoa Joe as champion. Ricochet deserves to win the belt due to the video. Uh, he needs to redeem himself. But he won't because Ricochet's best quality is that he goes and he has amazing matches, but he loses. That's his stick on the main roster. So – He's going to lose again. Samoa Joe will win. Maybe this will turn into a long-term feud. Well, that's what I kind of hope. It just Again, this is a pay-per-view that I don't care about. If this if is this a one-off, Ricochet, it's a waste. But that's what we've been used 
to. Like yeah. we just had AJ Styles to Seth Rollins as a runoff, like a, a, a complete one-off, and they never revisited it again in an excellent match. Nope. If we get the same here, what's the point? So I'm kind of looking at this like, yeah, Joe should win, but if it's not going to be a longer feud, then why are we even doing this? Why don't we save this for SummerSlam? Because a Samoa Joe Ricochet match at SummerSlam with time will be great. Oh, I don't yeah. think we're going to get there with that. So I think Samoa Joe will retain. Um, Kofi versus Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match. I don't know when this became the stipulation. Uh, right after the stupid showdown. The Superstar showdown. Oh, okay. Um, um, yeah. Kofi wins. Sure. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another feud that I don't really understand why it happened. Not to say that it's a bad feud, because I think Dolph versus Kofi could be a, you know, a, a produce a very good match, but they never gave us a reason to care. No. So now we're having a steel cage match, and people are like, I've seen worse feuds that, get, that didn't get stipulation matches than this. Oh, yeah. So, whatever. Kofi, Kofi will retain, and I don't know what we're doing with Ziggler after this either. They, they have this horrible habit of people coming back from injury or just from off of television and straight into the title feuds. So you lose that title feud to the champion, and then what? Instead of having mid-card feuds or secondary feuds and building yourself back into it and giving us a reason why they're getting a championship uh, you know, chance, just like... Now we see Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins. Why is Baron Corbin getting a title shot? Vince has a hard on for Corbin. I can't explain this. Like Corbin won at WrestleMania, going over an angle, and everybody like there was. This is a, this feels like a diet version of Roman Reigns. Like Vince is determined to push Baron Corbin, no matter what. And I, and look, and people say he gets heat, but it's the wrong kind of heat. It's it's a, it's the wrong kind of heat that people don't really give a shit about. Oh, like, he isn't the, good heat. No, it, it, it's for him. He's just he's not really good. He got better, but it's like this is a feud that I look at and I'm like, so, like I I didn't want this match. I wanted them to run the Styles match back. So Rollins retains because I see no good reason why Corbin should win. Yep, I'm going to. Oh, and a special guest referee, which looks like it might be Lacey Evans. I don't I don't know. It's just some kind of rumor, and I hope they're not trying to play this Seth Rollins Becky Lynch thing into like a TV thing. Just leave that shit alone. Yeah, um, Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans. Why is Lacey Evans' title program still going? This is what's killing Becky Lynch's character. Yeah, well, see, Becky Lynch, for me, has always been about the dance partner. She's not the leader of the dance. Yep. Right? If she's paired properly, like when she was with Charlotte, it produces magic. And Rousey. Was, like, chasing someone was great. Right. So, But then you stick her in a feud with somebody who's green as shit, as, as Lacey Evans is, and you have a bunch of shitty matches. And you have a few that just really doesn't have any heat. So all you're doing is diminishing Becky Lynch's light. Because now, from the woman who was the man and was like the hottest star in pro wrestling six months ago, it's like she's still over, but the Becky Two Bells thing is gone. It's like, I don't care. I want this feud to end. So please bear this, because Lacey Evans is, is not good. No. Someone at else all. needs to step up in that slot. Um, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Didn't we just do this at WrestleMania? I thought so. Uh, yeah, Drew yeah, has to we win. Did. Yeah, Roman just can't beat up on Again. Drew. Like Drew has to. Drew is better than this. Drew has to win. But to him, for him to be Again. Shane's like little toy and puppet, that shit's stupid. Shane's the it's, biggest heel in the company. The I don't need another Mister McMahon. I don't either. And I'm looking at this feud like we just did this at WrestleMania. It's June. WrestleMania was in April. 
why are we running this batch back instead of having Drew into establish himself somewhere else? Because if he goes over on Roman, it's probably because Shane gets involved. It's not going to be clean. No. And if Roman wins, it's like, so you just beat him at WrestleMania. Like, this is like we're, we're running in place. Like, I, you know what? Forget this. This is not stomping grounds. This is WWE treadmill. That's what the name of this paper should be because everybody's running in place on this show. We're starting to head. We're starting to hashtag. Oh, it's like treadmill. Uh, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss. Why did Alexa Bliss come back from injury and immediately get a title shot? It seems like everybody does that, right? Like, yeah, it Ziggler makes no sense. Jumps. Yeah, it makes no sense. But the people busting their ass every week that we see on television don't get any of Like, I don't, I don't understand the logic behind it. There is no logic. There is no logic. And it, it's weird because it makes AEW's idea where they say wins and losses matters. It puts so much more emphasis on that when you see shit like this. Yep. Like, Bailey versus Alexa Bliss, you're looking at it and you're going, why is this happening? And then you're watching the feud unfold and you're like, why is this happening? Like, this entire pay-per-view is full of matches that nobody that really don't have any heat. And nobody really cares about. And I, I, there's literally not one feud on this card that I'm looking at that has legitimate heat and fan investment. Yeah. Pick one. I'm trying to look. Like, <laughs> that's why I have a thing of being on the spot about. Let's see. I can't. Uh, nope. None. Honestly. Nothing. No, nothing that's been more than. Three, four weeks of the making. There's there's no story to any of these. Maybe Kofi Ziggler, because this is their second match. But that's that's the best of a worst situation. So, like I'm saying, there's no heat on any of these matches. They're like, some of these feuds have gone longer than they should have. Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans. Kofi and Zolf. But there's like, none of these feel like, like this feels like a, a very long episode of Raw. Is what yeah. we're about to watch. Very long and bad one. Like, and, there's nothing. I'm not invested in none of this shit. And these are all the wild card people, by the way. If you weren't a wild card at some point in time since this rule was instituted, you are not on this pay per view card. And why? Again, like, I'm looking at this card. And I'm like, yo, brand split. Like, what are we doing? No so, Finn Balor. No Andrade. No, no Charlotte. No Charlotte. No Nakamura. No, I mean Nakamura. No, Rusev. he still wrestles with him. Yeah, like they, they're still WWE. Oh, they're pumping him up for this fucking Japan show next week. Of course, where they we are. have the club and Triple H wrestling. Dog, again, it's another situation. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H and the club. We're like, why is it if Finn like, Balor, AJ Styles, and the club? Like, right. Well, that no. would be so fucking dope. Like, who, who put Triple H in this? Did Triple H do this? Because if so, this is disgusting. Yeah. The best case scenario is that he gets jumped backstage. That won't happen. You need an extra partner and Finn comes out. With, with Finn's entrance, people are losing their shit. Yeah, but none of that is happening. No, but you that'd be that. the smart thing. But we're co-opting the, the Bullet Club to have Triple H in it for reasons that are unknown to he anybody. He likes being the cool kid, yo. That's that's his mo. Um, yeah, so we'll see how this plays out on Sunday. See how everything else plays out during the week. Next week we'll recap everything we talked about today, plus what's coming up, including that Jap- that Japan show for WWE, which I'm sure will end up as a network special or something. Uh, that's it. That's all we have for today. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale. Check out our Patreon. 
uh, going to be putting up a special episode there this weekend. Should be around Sunday, which will be really dope. And um, try out for some video as well, exclusive for you guys on Patreon this week. And I think that is it, man. It's a, been a good show. Till next week, we're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.